Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Tales from Tolt. My name is Dwayne Davidson, your host. This is a program where we discuss the fascinating and rich history of that place we call the Sonoma Valley, basically from Monroe to North Bend. Hello, folks. Welcome again to another episode of Tales from Tolt. Dwayne Davidson, your host. And today I've got a really special uh, couple of guests that are going to be talking about a, a family that uh, was well known around the Duval area, uh, the Wainscott family. And to help me do that, I have my Aunt Lorraine and her sister, Vida. So, uh, hello, ladies. Hello, hello. there. Do you want to, uh, Lorraine, you want to start off and then go to uh, Vida, you want to just uh, do a quick intro for uh, the listeners uh, about yourself? I'm Lorraine Wainscott Minchel. I married um, Gary Minchel, whose family um, lived in Duval. I'm the oldest of four children, and I was born in 1938, and we moved to um, Duval when I was in second grade. Actually, we were there a time before that, and then we moved to Bremerton, and then we moved back to Duval. So we finally settled when I was in second grade in Duval. Graduated from the grade school and went to Toll High School. Graduated in 1956. Okay, Vida? Yes, uh, I am Vida Wainscott, second daughter to Hansel and Alta. And I uh, married Glenn Laird, who lived in Carnation. I was born, Lorraine and I were born in Yakima. And then... um, when we moved, uh, then during the war, uh, our dad, Hansel, was working in the shipyards in Bremerton. And after the war, uh, we moved to Duval. And I was around five years old. I was born in 1940 and um, went to grade school uh, in Duval and told high school and graduated in 1958 and married in 1959. Okay. Okay. So, uh, uh, Duval family for sure. Uh, Hansel and, uh, Alta were just, uh, uh, such sweet people. Uh, I used to think, boy, my cousins, uh, had great grandparents with them. They were, uh, just a delightful couple, always, uh, always with a smile and a personal greeting when you met them, they were just, uh, Delight, but boy, were they ever active in the Duval community. Uh, let's start off with your dad, uh, Hansel, and this is for uh, either one of you. You want to elaborate a little bit about uh, what kind of things that uh, Hansel did for an occupation? Vida, you talked a little bit about that uh, already, but do you want to elaborate a little bit more? Well, Lorraine probably uh, has more information on that than I do. Uh, I know for a while he had an automotive repair shop right down there where I think it's where the uh, feed store is now. Mm-hmm. Um, but for then, then um, he got a job later with the federal government uh, milk testing program. And that was a, a, a really good uh, fit for him and traveled around the uh the area and north too, and um, and t- 
tested milk and made sure dairies were being fair to the farmers. So that, mm -hmm. that was his last and good job. I just elaborate on that a little bit. Uh, that job must have taken him away from home uh, quite a bit. Not for overnight. He mostly uh, just got, he would drive to where the tank truck that was going to pick up milk at the farms and then he would hop in with them and ride to the farms and test it and then go into Seattle and, and test the um, finished products from dairies and um, but he rarely was ever um, gone from home overnight. So that turned well, out to be a good job for him. Yeah, it sounds like it. Sounds like it. Yeah. And uh, Lorraine, do you want to uh, uh, give a little bit of background about what uh, kept your mom busy during the day? Well, let me just say a little bit more about our dad. He was a great storyteller. He made up stories from the time he was a kid. And his cousins would always say, Hansel, tell us a story, you know? <laughs> and so growing up, he made up the stories. He, he, you know, sometimes he'd read to us, but he made up the stories. And um, when he told the stories and sometimes some of our cousins were at our house, we went in the bedroom and all laid on the bed and turned the light out because he couldn't concentrate if it wasn't dark. And the, the rule was, if you made any noise, you had to leave. So, oh, wow. so um, I have a wagon train picture in my living room that he made up the name of a family in that wagon train and told us many episodes west from that um, picture. My dad, for when I was young, I remember him buying a, a car now and then to resell. And he would do mechanic work and he would paint the car. And he did that off and on for many years as a side hobby and then decided that he would make his own woody station wagon. So he got a chassis and he got a pattern and made it, made the whole thing himself, upholstered the seats. It was quite a sight. Well, that is an interesting story. And I love that. So he actually made up these stories. Uh, yes, he did. Yes. Uh, that is remarkable. And so he just like, uh, do you, uh, do you, do you think, I know you can only speculate at this point, or maybe you actually know for sure, but was he actually kind of composing them as he thought and went along? Or do you think he kind of thought about them during the day so that when he was asked to do one, he kind of had something in mind? No, I think he kind of thought on the fly. I mean, um, this family on the wagon train, they went through in, uh, hard times with Indians and with bears and with fires and with blizzards and, you know. Oh, my goodness. He had other stories, though, that he made up, kids' stories that had uh, bears for the, the uh, characters in the stories and one was a Christmas story, and Vida, I think Vida may have a little bit of recording from some of that. One of the local community groups wanted him to come and tell stories as part of their Christmas gathering to little kids, but that was very awkward for him, um, oh. kind of do it on demand like that. So um, He did for one or two Christmases. He told uh, the Grange Hall in Duval, 
had a Christmas party every Christmas and uh, they asked him to come up and told him ahead to sit by the Christmas tree and have all the little kids that were there come up around him and for him to tell a Christmas story. And it was a made up story. Um, and um, it, and it was, it was a, a very fun story. And one of the stories that he wrote in letters to us when he was away helping uh, build a home for his parents in Yakima, he wrote the story uh, called The Little Green Flea with Long Red Hair that Lived on the Back of a Dog. And it was, <laughs> it was such a fun story, uh, but we lost part of the story. We have some of the pages of it, but we lost part of the story, but it was just so fun because it was the flea um, would cut down hairs on the back of the dog and go on picnics up to the dog's nose and have, um, dandruff and salt sandwiches and oh my goodness it was yeah oh this is so delightful here this is funny. yeah now, so did i i didn't know any so did uh did the grandchildren uh get a chance to uh to hear these stories too no um, not, not much. So much no 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 you kind of got out of it by then yeah well then yeah. the well, the sad part is to me is that we did not um, write down the stories or record the stories because dad should have been a story publisher. He was that good at telling stories. Um, but he, you know, we didn't write them down. And uh, that part uh, makes me feel bad. But he did make the stories up on the fly because sometimes he got so tickled at how the story was going he would stop and laugh with us um, <laughs> because he did not know that was going to happen until it came into his thoughts um yeah so so that's that, funny he amused yeah. himself that's that's great yeah yeah <laughs> that's that's good before we go off this story about the storytelling perhaps you know or not did is this something that he got from like his father or somebody or no, 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 it just was a gift that God gave him from the time he was very young. Yep. Yep. Um, oh, he, al he also wrote poems. Mm -hmm. We, and, and when there were times that he had to wait for the milk tanker to get to the farm, he would write. And we have a booklet that we have printed up with the poems that he wrote. There are quite a few. Yeah. And yeah. Music was very important to him. He and my mom used to sing duets. And they taught us to sing while we were in the car. Mm -hmm. Camp Town Races. And you know those um, mm -hmm. old songs. Yeah. And so they taught us to sing when we were very, very young. And we sang in public in a church in Bremerton for Easter time. And we each had a verse to sing. And we are really close in age. So my youngest brother, Stan, wasn't quite four. So we would have been four, five, six, and seven, probably, about that age. And we sang up in front of this big church all by ourselves and sang a verse each by ourselves. 
Oh, wow. And then wow. anytime we would go someplace, you know, my, if we would visit a church, my dad say, well, the kids would, you know, I have kids that will sing for you. <laughs> People would come to the house and they'd, he'd say, oh, before you go home, the kids would love to love to sing for you. And I would go in my heart. I would go, ah, you know, yeah, me too. <laughs> no, we don't want to do that. But by the time we got in high school and we sang parts, we enjoyed singing together from then on. What a neat story. And that's fascinating. He kind of came up on this as a, as a, uh, uh, all on his own, that this wasn't something that was handed down to him. And he found that no. much of a no. uh, gift about it. Uh, Lorraine, you, uh, I think it was you that said something about the Woody's car uh, and that he was into uh, like trying to flip cars for, uh, I remember from my own personal recollection, he used to like to go out and try to find uh, <laughs> oh. deal and resell yeah. things and stuff. That's like that. right. And, yeah. And he actually had a knack for it, I think. Uh, he, yes. he could do it good. Yep. Uh, and, and he got so he pretty much bought kind of more collectible age cars. And and he didn't uh, do any kind of mechanic tune-ups or anything on them, mm -hmm. you know, in the last years. He said it just was yeah. too risky. And yeah. I and remember, then. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. And then after he finished with doing the cars, he started looking for uh, travel trailers that um, he could fix up uh, and resell. And, um, and one of the travel trailers he was doing, he had the refrigerator out, as I remember. And, uh, you know, the refrigerator was gas. And when he hooked it back up, it exploded and uh, blew the whole end of the trailer out knocked him against the wall, um, probably unconscious, probably he was temporarily unconscious. It set the trailer on fire. My mom heard the explosion went running out. And uh, by that time, you know, dad made his way out because, you know, he didn't get burned, but the trailer was totally trashed, except for the chassis he sold to somebody to wow. make into yeah so but he he did like um he just he liked buying and reselling and 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 i it's something he's passed down to to his family i mean and right. he and one of the statements he said to us to me that i remember he had this phrase don't buy anything new that you can buy secondhand <laughs> and very good advice <laughs> and that stuck with me. And I think basically all four of us kids are very uh, thrifty and love finding what we want at bargain prices. Mm -hmm. Just, yeah, he, he passed that down for sure. Yeah. So now in the time that you lived in Duval, the, I remember the house up there by the school kind of uh, uh, the, their, their house. Is that where? They lived the time they lived in Duval, or were there several places? Well, we lived in Duval when Vi when Vida and I were really young in Yakima. Then we moved to Duval, and our brother Jerry was born when we lived in Duval, <clears throat> Duval. And then we moved to Bremerton, and then Stan was born when we lived in Bremerton. Then when I was in second grade, we moved back to Duval and we bought, my dad bought property that had an old two-story house on it. And he bought from Mrs. Evenson. 
And we lived in that while he built the new house in front of it. Um, hmm. And we, that's and that's where we all grew up. Wow. Yeah. Well, it, it, we got to take a break right now for just a couple of messages. And when we come back, we'll continue to talk about the Wayne Scots of uh, Duval. So we'll be right back. You're listening to Valley 104.9 FM, your station for Northwest eclectic music. Hi, I'm Seth Shostak, and I'm an actual scientist, although I don't wear a white lab coat. Maybe a straitjacket. I'm Molly Bentley. I'm a science journalist, and we are your hosts on Big Picture Science, bringing you the latest from the labs every week. So join us Thursdays at 6 p.m. for the coolest in science and technology, Big Picture Science. That's Thursdays at 6 p.m. right here on Valley 104.9 FM. Welcome back. Dwayne Davidson here is continuing to talk to uh, my Aunt Lorraine and her sister, Vida, about the wainscots of uh, Duval. Anybody who's been around Duval for some time and know anything about the history has certainly heard the name Wainscott before because they were very, very active uh, in the community. And we spent the uh, first part of the program talking about uh, their father, Hansel, and now equally contributor to the community was their mom, Alta, who did uh, various things that we established uh, before the break. Uh, She was um, very active in the Duval Methodist Church and the ladies' uh, aid group there. And uh, a lot of people remember that she worked at the uh, bank, at the site of the old bank. I don't know if people recall, but there was once a, uh, for those of you that had been around for a while, there was a bank that was right in the center of town. And that was a a Duval, uh, was it called Seafirst then? No, it was Washington State Bank at first. That's right, Washington State Bank. And then uh, how approximately how long did uh, Alta work there? Oh, well, she worked there until she retired. Um, so. Quite a while. In the right? 60s, you think, Vida? Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah, she. Yeah, I don't know. I would just give a guess that. She was there 20 years, but I can't remember. Hmm. And she was very involved at the uh, Duval Methodist Church also, uh, doing various things there. Either one of you want to elaborate on some of the things she uh, helped out there with? Well, let me just say that um, our mom, our mom's maiden name was Funk. So she was the daughter of William and Pearl Funk, who had been in the Valley a long time. Um, and they lived, they had a farm, a dairy farm down on what we called the river road, uh, down along the Snoqualmie river. And that's how she met my dad. She was the farmer's daughter and he was the milk tester. Oh boy. <laughs> and so when she would kind of know that it was time for him to come, she would cook or bake special things for him when he came. Oh, wow. And so um, he, she was 19 and he was 26 when they got married. She started to work away from the home when our dad got polio in his shoulders. They didn't know really, didn't identify it as that for several years, but um, it was paralyzing, particularly in his right shoulder. And so he couldn't work for a year. And so she started 
to work and she worked at the Baker's Candy Company right there in the middle of Lake City. And then she ended up working in the restaurant right down on Main Street of Duval, made all the, the pies and, you know, mm-hmm. cooked whatever they sold. And so she just never quit working away from the home. It went from that job then to working at the bank. But when it was time to go to the ball game, and our brothers uh, both played basketball, why we always went. We yeah. Were, yeah. They were very faithful about that. And um, when we were about grade school age, I guess, my mom started a junior choir at the church. And um, we probably ended up with 20, 25 kids, I suppose. I remember her teaching the boys how to sing parts. And that's how Gary, my husband, learned how to sing bass. <laughs> Clear back. Mm. I couldn't tell you how many years we did the choir, but quite a few. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. And so uh, uh, she uh, was also very involved in the ladies' aid group too, right? At the, at the church? Yeah, some. It, I, that's hard for me to remember because if they met during the day, you know, she yeah. was at work. So yeah, that makes sense. Supported them in whatever way she could. Yeah. Um, One of the things that many, many people will remember about my mom was her baking of cinnamon rolls and cinnamon twists and rolls. And my mom, uh, anybody, any doctor that was a regular doctor or it wouldn't matter if they were a physical therapist, whoever, she would make sure that at least one time they got a pan of homemade cinnamon rolls. And when she retired from the bank, she would go down there and the day before and she, or call down. And this is when she was like, you know, in her seventies and maybe even in her early eighties. And she would say, how many people are going to be here tomorrow working? And they would say, you know, six. And she say, okay, at, at eight 30 in the morning, I will tap on the window and I will have hot cinnamon rolls for you. And <laughs> so she would bring them down cinnamon rolls. And, um, uh, yeah, she, she was an amazing baker that in the end got developed a lung allergy to flour and she couldn't stand not to bake. She had to quit for quite a while because it affected her badly, but she would go out on the deck outside and mix up stuff with flour because, because she figured that the wind could blow the flour. Oh, um, that- <laughs> yeah. That she, yeah. She loved to bake. She bought flour in 25 uh, pound bags that's because that's how much she baked oh boy that is interesting and it tried to try to compensate for allergies by uh, going outside and doing yes. it that's, that's yeah. pretty, it's yeah. pretty <laughs> remarkable my mom was a very hospitable woman and she didn't she wasn't a fancy cook but she'd say if you'd give me a half an hour i can have a meal ready and sometimes i felt like it was kind of often my dad would bring home somebody he met downtown 
And (laughs) sometimes they needed a place to stay all night. And she just never blinked an eye. She just stirred up what there was. And, um, and she was very good. She just had a heart for helping people that, oh, either they were sick or they were going to have unexpected company and she'd make sure she'd take some food to them. But she never felt like she was a gifted person, but her yeah. heart served and served and served. Yeah. 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 Remarkable person. Yeah. And I, and I can tell, I can tell the listeners that even though I was a very young man at the time, this is the impression that has lasted with me all the years is they were both very hospitable people. I can imagine your mom not having uh, any kind of ill feelings about cooking food for a stranger coming home. And, and it totally makes sense from what I recall that Hansel would have brought the stranger home. They were, yes. both, <laughs> <laughs> they were both that type of people. And so, uh, and for the listeners also, you heard the name Funk uh, mentioned there. There's another old time uh, name in uh, Duval, a very, very prominent name. Uh, you'll find that Duval, they're all kind of, uh, the families are all kind of intertwined because that is a, uh, a name that you'll hear. I'm trying to recall uh, while we're recording, and I shouldn't do this, but there was also, uh, wasn't the Leaks or somebody like that, a name that was associated with the Funk family also that, yes. owned, the, that owned the ferry. And so uh, we won't elaborate too much because that's almost topic of another program. But there was once a ferry that went across the river before the bridges, and that family was, uh, a, a, and he was a retired captain, if I remember right, and yes. that was a leak, and the Funk family was really, she was, his wife was a Funk, isn't that how that went? Yes, um, they were related to um, my grandma, Pearl, yes. So, sorry about that, I was a little bit, uh, I, I knew there was a connection there somehow, and I did yep. that off yep. the top of my head, but yeah. Yep. So, and it's uh, was down through that family, Dwayne, for, I don't know, my mom one time said 300 years, but for a long time, a recipe for a family, for a salve that our family still makes that we use on bandages that will draw out infection. And um, that's one of our little claims to fame is the red salve. <laughs> oh, wow. That's interesting. I think you told me that, John, and I had forgotten that. I, you've told me that before now that I heard, heard it. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and this uh, gentleman will maybe do a, a segment on him someday. He was actually uh, the captain of the ferry that crossed before uh, the floating bridge. So, literally, he was associated with travel over the Lake Washington and then later on over the Snoqualmie before bridges. And so, mm-hmm. uh, remarkable individual. You've elaborated a little bit. You've got how many siblings? We have two brothers. Two brothers. And right now, do any, uh, just so the listeners know, do any of you still live in the Snoqualmie Valley? Vida does. Yes, I do. Our one brother's in Everett and one's in Ellensburg. And so what do you think uh, brought your folks, you know, and made them uh, stay? Obviously, there was a little bit of family connection there with the funks and th- and things like that. But what are one of the things that you think drew people to the Snoqualmie Valley and kept them there? I, I think a lot of it was the farming community. Mm-hmm. And where our house was built, we just had the most wonderful view of the valley. And um, they really prized that. So much of our family there, too, you know, um, there was no reason to think about going somewhere else. 
That's a good point. The family is very, very important. Yeah, because uh, Stan, our youngest brother, he married a qual girl and he never left Duval until uh, two years ago. So uh, he he grew up the whole time there. And um, and we were related to, um, you know, a number of people there were cousins and growing up. Um, it was just a lot of family. It was really small. Duval was small and you pretty much knew everybody. And oh, you did. And if you got, I mean, you didn't want to get in any trouble because somebody would um, tell your parents. Um, <laughs> uh, it was that small. You know, you had a lot of people that cared about you and that paid attention. So it was a good place to grow up. And then, and then because a number of the family stayed there, then, then it just felt good to, to live closer to there. Yeah. One of the things I didn't say was when our mom worked at the bank, she went through two bank robberies and Mm -hmm. the, and the, and the first robbery, they put her name in the paper and that frightened her. She was really fearful that that bank robber was going to find out where she lived and come to her house. Yeah, that's a very frightening experience. And Diana had been robbed afterwards when she worked. Uh, my sister, Diana, worked at the same bank and she she actually got robbed at gunpoint once too. So, Wow. Well, did, did we mention that our mom was born in Duval? She is definitely a Duvalite yeah. from yeah. birth. She was. Yeah. Well, they were uh, a delightful couple. For those that knew them, they're a name that you hear a lot when when, uh, folks get together and talk about the history of the Valley. So I'm really glad that the two of you were able to help uh, share about them today. Folks, if if this uh, talking about growing up in Duval uh, interests you and the perspective as a young person uh, growing up in Duval during that time, I'd like to make promotions for other groups that uh, are involved with historical preservation. The Duval Historical Society's website, if you check it out, they have an interview section and you will be able to find an interview there with uh, Uncle Gary and Aunt Lorraine, where they talk about growing up as a, uh, uh, as a, a youngsters in the Duval area. So it was a real delightful interview that I've listened to a couple of times. You can check it out there at the Duval Historical Society. Remember folks uh, that um, this program is now being broadcast both on uh Sunday at 4.30 and Monday at 6 o'clock. So if you, um, uh, if this uh, if this talk is uh, piqued your interest and you know someone else that ought to be able to hear it or should hear it, uh, please have them tune in on Sunday at 4.30 for the second broadcast of it. And so until uh, next week, please take care and join us next week as we continue to explore the history of the Snoqualmie Valley. Thanks folks.